Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future, as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne from Generation to Generation, and our guest today is Anne Beaumont. Anne, for people that don't know who you are, can you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do, or have done? <laughs> so um i'm from london originally in the uk i now live in haverhill also in the uk not to be confused with the american one which a lot of people know uh, which is near cambridge um what do i do as well as being um caring for my husband and grandchildren i do run a life group in our church with children ages um, 10 and 11 which i love doing i coach voluntarily in schools with children who are struggling to stay in education because of emotional difficulties. And I'm also now helping out with Issachar and Network and helping to roll out the um, Issachar Network with children uh, across the generation. So I'm really excited about that. Well, we're excited to have you on. I I think we've known you for I don't know, 13, 14 years, but mostly you're a very dear friend. So it's really special to have you on. So for, for people she referred to the Isakar Network, what is the Isakar Network? Do you want to say a bit more about that before we jump in? Well, Anne can say what the Isakar Network is. <laughs> so uh, as I understand it, the Isakar Network is about uh, knowing the signs of the times and what to do based on uh, Isakar from Chronicles, who knew the signs of the times and what to do when he was called out to accompany David on one of his missions. And so specifically looking at the signs of the times and what to do in preparation for the return of Jesus. Well, that's great. And you lead and um, facilitate one of the Issachar small groups as well. Yeah. So... I want to start this conversation at the end and then we'll shoot back to the beginning. I see in the background you have an Israel flag. Tell us why you have that Israel flag in your room. Uh, I bought that when I went to Israel in 2017. And I have the flag because Israel is so dear to my heart. It's embedded there. Um, as part of who I am and of who I am as a follower of Jesus. Well, I don't think you've always had that um, in your heart or you haven't always had that attitude towards Israel or the biblical understanding. So I want to go back at the beginning because people may be listening who are going, well, I ha- I'm not in that place that Anne is and I don't understand this. I may even disagree with her. So I want to take go back to the beginning. So maybe pe- some people listening can identify with the journey that you've been on. So can you start off? How long have you been a Christian? How did you become a Christian? Uh, in 1984, I was a mature student at Aberystwyth University in Wales. And in my f- uh, first year there, I uh, came to know Jesus and um, it was a process of realising that although I'd come to university as a mature student, left my first husband, that the grass was not greener on the other side, that the problem didn't lie with him, uh, but the problem lay with me. And I began a search, a spiritual search, which led me 
to Jesus by the December of the first year. Um, and by, I think it was actually in February 1984 where I gave my heart to Jesus when I realised, having had a very dramatic experience of God during my spiritual search, realising that I was a sinner, realising that God existed, but there was no connection. And someone gave me a book by a man called David uh, Michael Green. He's, mm. he's, uh, he wrote a lot of wonderful books. Uh, and he wrote this one called Why Bother With Jesus? And when I realised that Jesus had made it possible for me to connect with this God who I now knew existed, I just knelt in my room and gave him my life and had a very radical transformation. Um, with words that I then later found were in the Bible, such as I knew I, my old heart had gone, I knew I was born again, and I didn't find those verses or those scriptures or those concepts until much later when I started reading the word. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was very exciting. And um, at that time, uh, I was able to apply for a scholarship to go to uh, the States for my second year. And there were six of us uh, second year students that won these scholarships. And so I went to the University of Berkeley in California. And um, <clears throat> unusually, unusually there, different from our system, of course, you can take model, modules in all kinds of, mm. of different things. And uh, there was so much to explore. Um, and uh, I actually did, um, went to a class on, on Jewish dancing. And don't think, I, had been, I had been a Christian for a, a while and immediately in becoming a Christian, because I didn't have any background of reading the Bible before, when I opened the Bible, I just believed everything I read. And I read Romans 9 to 11. And I immediately felt connected to Jesus as a Jew um, Again, this was no one else teaching me. This was directly the Holy Spirit. I immediately felt connected to Jesus as a Jew. I completely took everything that Paul said verbatim, um, that, that I was now a child of, of, of Abraham um, because, of, because of the covenant. And I recognised that there was a... There, I didn't see it as superiority, but there was a priority that, that it was the Jew first and then the Gentile. And I, I developed, I think, a real, uh, I think it, there may have been some sense of um, awe towards the Jews at that point. Um, it was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I'd had no teaching, nothing from anybody, not my family, um, nothing that I'd ever been part of. Um, and so I went, yeah, I went to this Jewish music class and, and just felt the whole Jewish music be, felt part of me as well. Um, and uh, yeah, the first time I actually ever met a Jew after that, I, I can remember sort of that, like, oh my gosh. And, and I mean, it could have been idolising and, and shouldn't be, but there was definitely a real sense of, oh my gosh, you're a Jew, and I felt very much that sense of, of awe around it. So right back then, um, you must have been attending churches and mixing with other Christians. Was this thinking amongst those you were with, was, was it in these churches, 
Or I did never you? Heard anything. I never heard anything. Looking back now, my whole church experience would be um, one of uh, either just nothing, absolutely nothing, or particularly when <clears throat> when the Old Testament was preached on either a direct or a subliminal understanding that whenever the word Israel was said, it meant church. Hmm. And, and I guess I kind of heard that and received it, but only in the way that attached itself to what I already believed from Romans. So yes, I recognized that, that I was, I was, I was now church. Um, but the, the the replacement idea, I think, kind of came in subliminally. And I I kind of, I don't think I really dealt with it. I don't think I really un, understood it. I just accepted it. This was church. This, this, it was never really taught directly. But it was, it was just that, that understanding that we were now, whenever it said Israel, we were church. It was church. I think psychologically... When it's not directly spoken, but that subliminal thing, as you say, or that indirect thing, it is in a way potentially more dangerous because you have nothing to attack. You have nothing to say, wait a minute about it. just kind of seeps in. Would yeah, you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think I don't think you you weigh it or it's not a direct teaching that you can go back to your scripture and, and look at. Yeah, you and don't exactly know what it is that you're challenging, if no, you should be challenging at all. No, no, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and, you know, there are some times as well, we'll go to a church and we know that they don't believe in replacement theology, but they might say something, not realising themselves the impact yeah. of the way they phrase certain things. Yeah. And so we might go and talk to the leaders and say, hey, you know, when you said this, is this what you meant? They go, oh, no, that's not what we meant. Sure. And we say, oh, okay, well, you just might want to be careful in the way you phrase certain things around this this issue. Um, what about in the university at the time? But Did you ever have conversations or hear people talking about Israel in the university? No. Not not a thing and I went to Bible college after university in 1987 and uh, connected with another uh, young person there who had the same excitement and was in the same as me and there, as far as I know there were just the two of us we never we never talked to anyone and if we mentioned it to anyone else who obviously all Christians come into Bible college they kind of just looked at us as if we were a bit wacky and we didn't know enough about it to defend it or mm. at that stage we just we just you know got together and in fact um we went to a synagogue near our bible college because we just wanted to find out what 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 it was like and it was so strange because uh we went to this synagogue and we really felt like we were um secret agents and that we were we if they found us if they knew we were Christians, we'd get, I don't know what we thought would happen to us, we'd get thrown out. You know, we really were quite nervous about going to this, this synagogue as Christians. That, we, in a way, just didn't know anything. Um, 
and we went and and, uh, and there was one really fun example i'm gonna tell you um of what happened there so we were up with the women and uh the women were chattering away they were sharing recipes they were talking about their children they were just chattering 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 and my friend and i were in the front row and we were looking down watching the men getting the scroll out all the things that were happening and we were just so excited and it was really annoying you know this chatter chatter but and then all of a sudden one of the men stopped looked up and he went shh like that and it was just what paul had said you know, in his letter, I want women to listen quietly <laughs> in church. It was just like, <laughs> this is so totally what he meant. And they were quiet for a bit and then they went back to what they were doing. Um, but you can see that they weren't included, you see, because they were in a, you know, you were up with the grill in front of you and clearly in the synagogue, they weren't part of what was going on. So now Paul was having to address that and say, no, you don't need to be like that anymore. You're part of the congregation, women. You can you can be part of it. But that was that was just so very funny. You didn't uh, pick up any good recipes before they no, were shushed. No, I was too, <laughs> no, I was too busy feeling afraid that someone would like work out who we were. Um, but, and we thought we'd get away with it, but actually, we went when we went down afterwards. They came to us as guests, and it was a new moon festival, and they wanted us to take part in it. And why were we there? And who were we? So we confessed. And um, and the women actually told us that they'd been listening to Christian radio and they told us that they had heard, and was it true, that, that you could still speak in the Holy Spirit now, in the in tongues, sorry, that the, when Peter uh, received the Holy Spirit, we've heard that you can still do it now. Does that happen? And we said, yes, it does. So it was quite, it was, you know, we kind of relaxed a little bit. At least there were some people here who were obviously seeking um amongst these women of course the men never talked to us but you know we were it was it, yeah so that was that was a really interesting experience that was 1987 so Israel was in my heart and I knew I must go someday so fast forward another 10 years 1997 um we moved to Haverhill and um my son joined a school and was given a, a buddy whose name was Daniel Waters and Daniel Waters' mum was Sonia Waters, who's a Messianic Jew. I was like, wow, you can imagine, you know, here's, here's, here's a Jew who loves Jesus. And uh, we became friends, we became, a, we became colleagues, and we drove, we drove to school together. And that's where I heard all about replacement theology. That's where I first heard about anti-semitism in the church it poured out from her she was teaching me and I was like I didn't really own it because I didn't like you said before Andrew I didn't really know that I'd received that and and I couldn't quite believe that how could the church behave like that towards the Jews because I've read that we need to honor them we need to recognize them as our as our uh, firstborn brothers, we, you know, we've come into their, their faith. Uh, I couldn't accept what she was telling me completely at that time. It you really know, shocked me. A, a friend of, well, Dr. Michael Brown, I heard him say once that he has never met anybody who only had the Bible to teach them 
we believe in replacement theology. People mm. who have only had the Bible really grasp God's mandate for Israel and for us as Gentiles. Yeah. And it's interesting that that is true of you. You got direct revelation about it, which couldn't be shaken no. by by all the even though it confused you a bit along the yeah, way, definitely. basically you'd had it straight from scripture and then, and that held you throughout the years. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't know what to do with that statement because we need teaching, but it, it does um, place a huge responsibility on those who are teaching to teach the truth about Israel. And it's it's something we have seen in persecuted countries that we've been to where mm. they don't have this wealth of teachers and they can't just jump onto some YouTube or TV channel and watch people speaking, but they, they might have had a Bible given to them. And when they've read it, we then discover that they do have this heart for Israel where they don't have this all these other resources to go alongside it. Yeah, absolutely. But you had this messianic lady now who is leading you forward. So take us forward from there, from you're going on this journey with her and you're, you're beginning to get the aha moment. Every, every, here is somebody else who really has um, heard from God and who is a part of the Jewish community. It, it was such a shock. Um, I think a lot of what was coming out at that time was, was her own pain. And it was really hard to, mm. to own that. And I didn't own it. I was just like, really? It was more of, a, of an unbelief. Um, but in 2007, she made Aliyah. And, and so I heard that word then. I understood what that meant. I understood that uh, she was going to go to live in Israel. And um, so I was part of her journey going, going there. And that was in 2007. And then in 2017, when I retired, uh, one of the first things that uh, I did was book the trip to Israel that I'd wanted to do since 1987. So it came, finally came round for me. And uh, I always remember thinking when I go to Israel, I don't want to go on one of those trips that takes you all around the Catholic churches and the different churches and um, go along the Via Dolorosa and be taken by Gentiles. I want to be, I want to have a Jewish person take me round. Well, in my mind, I got the best, I got a better one than that even. I got a Messianic Jew because Sonia is a tour guide in Sarel Tours, um, as mm. is uh, dear friend Catherine, um, mm. who's in my Issachar group. And um, we had it all agreed that she didn't have, a, have any tours to do on the days that I came out. And uh, she took me, had her one-on-one -on -one for three days around Jerusalem. Uh, I have to say, the second I touched ground again, it, it you have to you have to stop yourself going into idolatry with it. Yeah, it was a real sense of coming home. It, it, it was it was just unbelievable. And then she took me around Jerusalem for for three days, and I mean that was that was just awe inspiring. But I was never doing it in terms of this is where Jesus, it, I didn't ever go there as in, I want to see where Jesus walked or I want to go to the places that Jesus went to at that time. 
what I wanted to do was just go to Israel. I just felt a, a connection. And, to, and um, so uh, that was just amazing. But it became even more amazing because she got a trip and she booked me onto that trip to go with her. And I was really cross with God. You know, I had come out here to just have my friend take me around Israel and we were going to do it together. And she put me on a trip. Um, and this is really where my mind got totally <laughs> blown. It rocked my world completely. Um, and this trip was um, Exodus. It was called the Exodus trip. Now, the Exodus, uh, it was 2017. So it was 70 years since the Exodus ship, which had taken... Uh, 4,000 refugees from Europe still makes me, still can make me cry this. Taken 4,000 refugees on a ship that really should only have held 1,000, one of those old ships, and um, took them from Europe when they were fleeing after after the war had ended, took them and they landed in in, uh, Haifa and uh, the British turned them away. And this group were going, they were a group called Repairing the Breach, and they were going in a spirit of repentance for what the British had done. Do you know, I had no history teaching at school. There was nothing that had prepared me for that. I had no idea that the British had had anything to do with Israel. I knew nothing about that, that, the mandate of Palestine and all the things that I know now. I knew nothing. Um, and um, I met I met some very some people who have been influential since in doing what um, I hadn't previously done, where I'd had my direct revelation from the Bible. I now met people who I could now go and look at resources from. So Hugh Kitson, who's a filmmaker, he's made DVDs like Whose Land, that kind of thing. I met him. I met Colonel Richard Kemp. He was going out there repenting on behalf of the British Army. I met him, uh, and so I found out a lot about his views on the IDF and whose land and the legalities of who should be in Israel. I met Lady Carol Baker. She was the widow of uh, Norman Baker, who's immigration minister, um, and she went out to repent on behalf of the government. And I met Sister Carol from uh, Evangelical Sisters Sisterhood of Mary, and uh, she was repenting on behalf of the church. And we visited Holocaust survivors. We invited them to come to Atlete Detention Centre, where so many had been uh, held. And uh, I, we met them. And then as we continued on the trip, we went to Beersheba, where uh, General Allenby had defeated uh, the Turks. And um, we, we met others there, other Holocaust survivors. We met and we met um, their descendants. Um, I remember having a, a lovely chat with a, a, a lady who, even older than me, but she had grandchildren. She couldn't speak any English. I couldn't speak any Hebrew. So I took my phone out and showed her pictures of my grandchildren. And she did the same. Because for, the, for them, the way they have been victorious is by surviving and having their family. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big thing for them. We learned mm-hmm. that. And uh, so, so that was the way we communicated and showing each other our families. And um, it was just absolutely amazing. I cried a lot. It completely rocked my world. And when I came back, that's when I did all the research 
um, and still continue to do that today with the kind of podcasts that you're doing in the Sikar Network. Um, but um, yeah, or I did. I watched videos on replacement theology to see if I agreed or not, uh, and began to realise that that whole idea that I'd been subliminal, subliminally receiving, and that I'd had no teaching on this at all. So for anybody listening, we've used the words replacement theology a few times. What does that mean? <clears throat> As I understand it, um, please correct me if I haven't got it all right, um, because I'm not an expert. It's the understanding that because um, the Jewish leaders, A, had Jesus put to death, and B, therefore were rejecting him, um, that Israel has lost its, has lost its place in God's heart, and that the church, uh, I would say even the Gentile church, with maybe a few Jews that have kind of come in, um, have now replaced that. And uh, Israel as a nation and as a people don't have the place in God's heart that the church, largely Gentile, has. Uh, uh, is, that, is that how you understand it? Totally. And... Um... I would just throw this in here, that if we believe replacement theology and that God's covenant with Israel is therefore erased, that puts us at high risk because he could erase his covenant with us. So I think that replacement theology is dangerous for the Jew and the Gentile. Absolutely. So, so your journey came from Romans... Yeah. right the way through to the Allenbury Bridge and to the Exodus ship. So there are many facets to this understanding of Israel. It's, it's not, um, i put this in inverted commas, not just let's get into the Bible and see what it says, but it takes us further from there. Mm. Um, how has it shaped your your How's it shaped your life now in terms of today's world? Well, what it's what what I now am doing is I'm looking at Israel. I'm looking at what's going on in the Middle East. I'm understanding because my understanding is that that Israel hasn't been replaced. Mm. Um, that Jesus is coming back to Israel. He's coming back to rule from Jerusalem. And that the prophecies surround with the, about the surrounding nations all have to be fulfilled, along with all the prophecies about the Antichrist, etc. And so I'm looking very much at the, at, at the whole political, the geographical, the the architectural, the whole the whole concept of what is going on out there. And I will tell people who are talking about Jesus' return, keep your eyes on Israel. Look at Israel, because that is the centre of, of of God's heart, and that's where He's going to He's going to come back to. So it yeah it does it does make me keep looking at the Middle East in particular. Um, but I have to say just one thing: it's interesting. I did go through all this journey, but I have also come back to the to the Bible and gone to to the Old Testament. And I'm now looking at, I've now looked at the Abrahamic covenant mm -hmm. and I've realised that, yeah, that the whole 
covenant with Abraham was always to, to bless Israel and bless the nations. And that we, the Gentiles, the nations are intricately woven into God's plan for Israel. So it's if we don't get that, as you say, then what have we got? Because we can be we can be put aside as well. Hmm. Yeah. We don't understand that that it was always in God's heart to rescue the nations, and that He even used Israel as a tool in His hand to show to to create this uh, this these people, this ecclesia, as as Asherin Traitor from from Israel says, which we can then come into. If they're gone, well, what are we building on? Hmm. What are we building on? And it's the Jew first and then the Gentile, because when we look at the new Jerusalem and we look at the building, it, it, even if that is a symbolic new Jerusalem, the you've got Jesus, the cornerstone. What's it built on? It's built on the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. They're all Jewish. Mm. And we're built on them. And then we get the Jewish believers that are going to come back, the remnant at the end. It's almost, in my mind, I'm, I'm just thinking about that. I'm wondering if it's a bit of a Gentile sandwich with the Jews at the foundation <laughs> and the Jews who come in last because it says in Romans, doesn't it, what will their, what will their inclusion be but life from the dead? We're not going to get a resurrection from the dead until those Jews come back and come in, those, that remnant. That's so true. So have you... Have you um... How have other people in throughout the years responded when you have talked about this? I mean, does everybody go, rah, rah, Anne, this is amazing, tell us more? What, how, what, what is the sort of the, the spectrum of responses you've had? Okay, so the, one of the very first ones I had, I was talking to somebody who is actually a preacher at our church, lovely lady, and... Um, I, when I came back, I was really focused on the whole Exodus thing and what Britain had done in the mandate years. And she was listening. She said, I don't know anything about that. I'd really love to hear more. Um, so that was, that, was, that was one perspective. Um, as time's gone on and I've become, had much more of an understanding of the place of Israel in God's plan, um, I began to share it. Some people haven't really uh, wanted to hear any more. Most people, I think, haven't wanted to hear any more. They've just thought that's your thing, that's your calling. You know, as in my f the first day after I retired, and I said, I want. I was. God told me He wanted me to pray for Israel. They see Israel as my my lane, and they're in their lane and their calling. Um, very close friends. Uh, I, I, share, I share different things with different people. Um, and some are, some, some will listen. Some will want to know a bit more. Some will receive. Some just let it pass. I don't get any response back. And the same with family as well. Um, and I've had a very interesting conversation with my brother from things that I've sent Um uh, where there's been a there's been a Palestinian kind of narrative that's come in, and we've talked about that, and where 
and so that I've had to look at that a lot more and I'm, I'm really grateful for having the, the opportunity to look at uh, the Palestinian side of things so that that helps me to to have more of an understanding of why people may sometimes be very anti-Israel um, so yeah different very vastly different um, responses yeah I guess we would say and we can't we won't go into this a lot now but we would say that Israel is not just a subject you can go well that's your topic you deal with that I'm I'm not interested our our paths our faith uh, are woven together and uh, we really need to understand what's happening with the other side um this I don't mean side but with the others to be able to see with the direction we're going in and even prophecies and things like that for the future is not you can't just go I'm not interested uh, you deal with that. I'm going to carry on with my life. We we need to get a good grasp on this. And so I encourage people listening to go and find resources uh, which which deal with this uh, and start to, to whet your appetite with this yeah. subject. Um, what about, um, for you personally, even though you've had this kind of... Uh, sort of a, a, an understanding to some level, um, even going back to your time in the US, um, were there ever issues that you struggled with in, related to Israel? Um, whether that be from a biblical perspective, maybe from the replacement, subliminal replacement theology messages you were getting, or even from a political level, uh, whether that be from conflicts, were there ever issues that came up and you, it, whether it was a right or wrong perspective, it was just a perspective you had and went, oh boy, I do not know about this. I, I'm really struggling. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. One of them was the whole covenant side of things. And, and it's only recently, I've been relatively recently, probably since it's a car started and uh, in the last year or so, last couple of years, I've, I, I couldn't, get the whole I I didn't understand only because I hadn't really studied it um the 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 whole covenant side and how you know from Abraham uh Noah David um and 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 all the way through how how there was this journey and I, I couldn't I didn't get I didn't get the old covenant the new new covenant idea that was another one that came up um Old Testament, New Testament, um, that was another one. And another one that was really, really, uh, and I still don't think I've come to a complete uh, decider on this, is is with what land? You know, I'm still kind of trying to work out, you know, what is the land that God has promised to Israel? Um, because particularly nowadays, politically, you get so much about the... Uh, there was obviously the partition, the, and they wanted to put this peace plan in back in 1947, which the Arabs never accepted, and then, you know, so on through through the whole um, journey of Israel saying yes to, to separation, and and the Arabs by and large saying no, and and trying to understand where if i'm if i'm saying that, that this land has been given to them by god which part how much of it is it is it you know where does it stretch from to and that's a big one i think i'm i'm still working through that one yeah that's an interesting one to wrestle with and for people to look into because 
you know, if ultimately God has said certain land is theirs, yeah. then how do you wrestle with that? If you look at Genesis. the land around them and say, well, actually the land Israel had was much bigger yes. than what it is now. And yes. if God says that's the land that belongs to them, well, then what do you do? How does that come about? What do, what do you think about the people who are in the territory that belongs to them? What happens to them? It's, it's a lot for you to really wrestle through and try and figure out. It is. It is. And I think we've been, I'm in a Bible study now with um, other women um, that, that I've met through the Issachar Network. And we've started from Genesis. We're just about getting to Judges. And some of that has come up as we've gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, particularly those, those first five books and, and wrestled with, with the whole concept of, of God's, God's judgment alongside God's mercy and God's, God's kindness. And I think, I think that's a big one. To, to, I'm also currently dealing with in terms of everything else that's going on in the world is that whole concept of God's judgment and he will let things go so long or he will make, he will give, uh, he gave the, um, the, the Hebrews things that he wanted them to do, the Jews, whatever we want to call them back then. Um, and, uh, and then if they didn't do it, if they dishonoured his name, you know, there was a penalty, there was a consequence. And I think dealing with that in, a, in and of itself is huge. And I think it's something that, that we all need to be looking at in this, in this day and time. I really do. It, I think one of the encouraging things and one of the reasons why we wanted you to come on is that often, and, and this is absolutely fine, we get speakers who, who lay out the biblical foundations and they have a passion, they have a heart and they have an understanding which we need and who we've had on our podcasts. But sometimes people can't relate to that, whereas for you, it, you're laying out your journey, your vulnerability in it, the, the struggles that you've had should surely be an encouragement to people who are in that place. But it seems to me that despite the struggles, despite the times you've had to reevaluate what you're thinking, go back or you've just been distraught by what you see, it hasn't changed the heart of the matter for you. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because everything I read in the Bible, I take, I take to be right. And if I don't agree with the Bible, then it's me that's got to change, not the Bible. And somehow it's got to be revealed to me in a way that I, I can understand it. And, and then you can look online on, on a lot of contentious topics and you can find people who will say one side and people who will say the other. Eminent people and you've got to work. You've got to work through that. Um, and I've done that by, um, yeah, so, so when it asks us that we owe a lot to the Jewish nation as Gentiles, it says that in Romans, in Romans 15. So I'm now attached to two organisations, Maos Israel and Revive Israel, in terms of giving, um, but also linking with, with information from there so that I'm supporting Jews in the land, but also their evangelistic endeavours. And, and particularly one of the things that I'm really excited about is the joining of Arab Christians and Messianic Jews. Um, 
And that is where my heart, I can feel it now, is, is leaping with current, current uh, circumstances, which actually buys into that theology. Um, I've mentioned Asher in Traitor before, um, who, uh, for people who don't know, um, is one of the senior leaders of uh, Tikkun International Revive Israel, senior messianic Jew. And he and um, a man called David Damien from Watchmen for the Nations, literally as, a, as, as recently as last year, have started to meet together and really show a coming together of Jew and Arab and the unit. I've learned more about unity in the church from Asha and David than I've ever learned what it really, really means um, to, to do that. And there's been repentance coming on both sides and <clears throat> I've really understood that whole one new man between the Jew and the Gentile. And I, it, it's beginning to upset me that that teaching in, in Ephesians about that, about the Jew and the Gentile being one new man, the Jew part just seems to be not even taking care. People think of it as Gentile and Gentile. They see it as a, a you know everybody to be reconciled at the cross, and it's very specific um, that it is about the Jew and Gentile, and it fits right back into Romans eleven and what will happen at the end of time. And if so, for me, if the Gentile church doesn't know or agree, then they're a they're out of step with Jesus, who they profess to love um, and commit to follow which bottom line is, is sin and needs dealing with. But also they're not prepared for the future. They're not prepared for what yeah. to come and what their part in it is. Yeah. I want, I want to, as we're getting near the end, bring us right up to this moment in time where anti-Semitism is rising. In fact, in many nations, there's a higher level of anti-Semitism than there was just before World War II. And our standing and paying the price for staying standing with the Jewish people has, in my opinion, not only implications today, but yes. will have implications when we stand before Jesus. And so would you agree with us that what we're talking about is has eternal repercussions for us? Yeah. Um and that really, in when you're speaking to people or we're speaking to people, we are in a way sounding the alarm for ourselves as well as for the Jewish people. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I would. And I think through a particular podcast that I've heard recently, I'm, I think the whole uh, teaching on the sheep and the goats at the end time has been presented to me in a way that I'm, I, if I if I if I take hold of what I think I'm going to take hold of is going to have profound implications that when Jesus talks about these brothers of mine, he is specifically talking about the Jewish people, because everyone would know as a Christian that you're meant to care for other people, that, that, that he's actually being very specific that it is to do with his his earthly brothers. And, and I would just throw in here that 
if we are silent, silence always sides with the abuser. Silence is not neutral. And so as we're tracking and as we've been stirred, Amber, what you say, I pray not only that will it cause people to go back to scripture and say, what does the Bible say? Close other pe- voices of other people. Holy Spirit, what are you saying here? <clears throat> but also take a very personal application because I think you agree with me, there are big implications for us personally. But that is true for you and me mm. as well, Daphne. Yeah. If I'm silent, yes, totally. I'm, I'm not being a watchman. I'm mm. not doing what Jesus is asking me Mm. to do so I find that I've got to overcome my fear my idol which is my friends and family and wanting to be accepted by them wanting to be loved by them wanting to be in agreement with them that for me to actually say this is what I believe and this is what I believe to be true and has eternal implications but it's true for me too yeah well, yeah. I was talking with um, a Messianic Jew in the last few weeks and we were talking about persecution that's coming. We were talking about the pressures. We talk about are we prepared to stand and all those things. And she started to weep and she said, this isn't in the future to us. This is now. And it was it was a moment in time where you realize that that we can be looking future but they are actually sitting in it right now that the fear is real for them um and now is the time yeah and, and for people listening thinking well it doesn't affect me so i don't i'm not going to get involved uh, this will if if you are a christian if you go to church um you know this may look like it doesn't affect you but it may start by being attacks against the Jewish people, uh, against Israel. But that's where it starts. It will end up coming for the church. It will end up coming to Christians. We will end up being attacked too. Yeah. And if we haven't stood up for the Jewish people, for Israel, um, you know, maybe, maybe some of those people won't be around to stand up for you when the attacks come in your direction. So... Yeah. Um, you know, f- for those of you that think this doesn't affect me right now, I don't want to get involved, too controversial, whatever yeah. whatever reasons you may be using as a reason not to engage in this issue, um, it, it's a big mistake. And, uh, you know, I challenge people to really reconsider that perspective. Um, standing up for Jesus, too, because yeah. he calls them the apple of his eye. So the apple of your eye is your most sensitive part. So it's standing for him, too. Yeah. And I wonder if, as we close, whether you would pray for people who have been listening. Um, Yeah. Okay. Abba Father, we are so grateful that we can call you that. And we thank you that even that first word is a, a Hebrew word. And we thank you that shows even now, that priority. We thank you that you, Father, love us. We thank you that you have counted us to come into uh, your people, to be counted the same as your people. We thank you, God, that there is no difference between us. 
when we're in Christ, that the same promise, uh, the same crucifixion and resurrection is available to all Jew and Gentile. And we thank you for that. And God, I pray for those listening that may feel really provoked by this, who may feel really angry, who may feel really upset with what they've heard. God, that you would uh, just soothe them into a place of being so loved that they want to find out more about you. And they want to find more out about your heart, that in the in the knowledge that you love them, that you care for them, that you accept them, that God, you have not got anything, anything negative for them in this, but only what is good and right, and that you will take them forward into the future, knowing the truth and able to stand for you, which is their heart to do. Lord, I recognise that this can be a real divider, God, would you call those who are going to come to you? Would you call those that are going to be in? Would you call those, God, who are hungry for more, God, to realise that maybe this is the more that they're looking for, that they can be right there in your heart with your Jewish people, Lord God, and just working together to help the return of Jesus come back when together we will worship you in Jerusalem as you set up as king of the nations. We love you, Lord. We trust you. We pray that you use this podcast as you see fit, God, to bring those people in, into into your kingdom, further into your kingdom, and to do that which they need to do to be prepared for the future. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Maybe if you're listening um, and raise questions or, or you struggle with some of these subjects, uh, maybe if you have a question, uh, you could put it in maybe in the comments, depending on where you're listening to this or, or in a review, you can just put a question in there or on a telegram. Uh, we've got a channel on that. So let us know if you have questions about certain subjects or if there's an issue you'd like to hear about and we can have someone come on and talk about some of those. Um, and thank you so much for uh, coming on. And if anybody listening says, hey, I'd like to go to the land, contact us because we have trips going every year and we'd love you to join us. Yes, and thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If it inspired you, please rate us and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or another podcast platform.